Uh, of course, we've been in 1 Kings. We've been following uh, the life and the story, stories that come out of uh, Elijah's life. And I think it's interesting that the pastor picks the Sunday to be out that Elijah is passing his mantle literally to Elisha. I don't think that's fair. Um, hope he's watching and listening. Because I can guarantee you I'm going to say Elisha when I mean Elijah, and I'm going to do this, the reverse. So uh, y'all just bear with me. If it starts with an E, go with it. Uh, we'll be all right. So, um, but we pick up in, in Elisha's life, Elijah's life. See, already starting. Pick up in Elijah's life, and we see him in front of the king. We see him calling the king out. That's the first time we see uh, this man, uh, this prophet of God, and he's standing in front of the king of Israel, and he's calling him out. He's calling him on his sin, and he's saying, hey, the, the God that you pray for, is, uh, pray to uh, is the God of fertility, the God of rain, whatever, but I pray to the God of creation, of all creation, and I'm going to tell you for the three and a half years, we're not getting any rain. We're going into a famine. And so God takes Elijah away to the wilderness. He's fed by the ravens. When, when the stream dries up that he's camping next to, uh, he goes and he finds a widow. And if you remember, the widow is preparing their final meal. The widow has run out of food because of the famine. They're preparing their final meal. And he says, hey, if you'll make a small little cake for me, I promise you, you won't run out. And so he lives uh, with the widow and her son, uh, and they never run out. Of course, you know the story. The son gets ill. The son passes away, and Elijah has the honor and the privilege of, doing the, of performing the miracle of bringing that child back to life. We see that uh, he returns to, to Ahab, and he invites Ahab and his priests, the 50, uh, actually not 50, 450 Baal priests, to join him on the top of the mountain, right? And I, I can only picture uh, what this must have looked like. You've got two stone piles that are rising out of the mountain. You've got animals that have been sacrificed and placed on them. And then you've got 450 people dancing around and moving around and hollering and cutting themselves and nothing's happening. And you've got Elijah over here. He had to have had a sense of humor because if you remember, he says, well, maybe, maybe your God is out to lunch. Maybe your God is sleeping. You know, he, he makes all these excuses to almost kind of egg, egg him along, and then he comes and he pours water all over everything, digs a trench around it, pours water, fills up the trench, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and fire comes down and burns everything up. There's nothing but scorched earth. If you remember, then he takes those uh, Baal priests down, and he allows them, he gives them the pleasure of meeting God face to face, if you remember that. He takes them down into the valley and he sends them to their final destination. But as we talked about last week, he leaves that mountaintop experience and he goes directly into the valley and he finds himself running from Jezebel. He finds himself in fear for his life. He finds himself calling out to God, asking God to deliver him through death and take him off of this earth. Yet God doesn't do that. God takes him and God speaks to him and God gives him one last task. He says, go anoint these two kings and go anoint your successor, Elisha. So that's where we pick up today in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. We see Elijah on his way to find Elisha. And it says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. 
Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. This morning we're looking at, and we're really going to kind of leave Elijah behind and really look at Elisha, and we're looking at how do you lead well. In life groups, we'll be looking at leading others to serve, uh, but I wanted to look at the leading aspect of it and how do we, as followers of Christ, lead well. And this little section of passage brings us to our first point. To lead well, we must first commit to follow. We must first commit to follow. In verse 19, we see that Elijah is coming down out of the mountains and he finds Elisha doing what Elisha knew to do, living his life. An interesting little background is Elisha probably more than likely was fairly wealthy because he's got 24 oxen out there in the field. He's got 11 men working the other teams and he's working the 12th. So you can imagine that was a massive field and lots of money invested. And so Elijah finds Elisha there plowing the field and no words are exchanged. No words are exchanged. He takes off his cloak or his mantle and that could be an outer garment like this. It could be like a scarf, like we're familiar with a scarf. Whatever, he takes that off, say it's a scarf. He takes it off and he puts it over Elisha and then he walks off. Elisha immediately drops what he's doing And runs after Elijah. And here, if you're familiar with uh, the passage in Luke, where uh, where Jesus says, "Let the let the dead bury their own dead," right? So people are making excuses for not following Jesus. That's not actually what's happening here. Elijah's just saying, "Hey, let me button things up so that I can wholeheartedly follow you. Let me close this chapter so that I can wholeheartedly follow you." So to lead well, we must first. Follow. So the invitation was extended to Elisha. And then Elisha commits wholeheartedly. He goes back after he talks to Elijah. He goes back and he slaughters his oxen and he burns his equipment. For Elisha at that moment, there was no turning back. There was no plan B. There was no, well, I'll do this until it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy me. I'll do this until I'm not happy anymore. He had committed his life to follow Elijah. And and it's interesting here because the picture is this man that comes from a relatively wealthy family that owns all of this property, and now he's choosing to humble himself under the tutelage and discipleship of Elijah. He's choosing to place himself under the leadership of this other man. And so we see an invitation was extended, an invitation was accepted. Because at this moment, Elisha had a choice, right? Elisha could have taken that mantle off, thrown it on the ground and said, no, no, this is what I know. This is what my family does. I'll just stay here. How many, how many times do we have that choice? No, 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 God, I don't want to follow you there. That's a lot of unknown, right? In this culture, Elijah was one of the only, if not, if if not the only prophet of God still left, Elisha would have known that. 
And so he has a choice. Follow this man who is being hunted or stay in my comfort zone and stay doing what I know how to do. And Elisha made a choice. He set fire to his equipment. He slaughtered his oxen and he followed him. There was no plan B. You see, this morning I do want to take a quick moment to remind us And for some of us, maybe it's the first time that there has been an invitation extended to everyone here. That invitation was not a mantle. That invitation was not a piece of cloth. That invitation came in the form of Christ. And God said, I want you to follow me. I want you to humble yourself, place yourself under my authority, and I want you to learn from me. I want you to grow to look like me. I want you to journey with me. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The invitation has been extended through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to walk with God the Father, to be a disciple of Christ himself. But we have the opportunity, we have the burden of saying yes and setting fire to what we know in radical pursuit of our God or casting off the mantle and turning our back and staying where we already are. That's our choice this morning. Invitation has been extended. In Luke 14, it says, everyone, Jesus is talking, he says, everyone who doesn't renounce his possessions cannot be my disciple. To lead, to lead well, we must first commit to follow. Continuing on into 2 Kings, 2 Kings 2, flip on over there if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you do, 2 Kings 2, 1 through 12, Elijah is about to be taken to heaven. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Can I read that line again? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. I got it memorized. One of my favorite lines. Then Elijah said, said to him, saying to Elisha, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. 
And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Our second point this morning is to lead well. We must not only commit ourselves, but to lead well, we must practice perseverance. We see three times in this passage, and this is one of my favorite passages in all of this story. Three times in this passage, Elijah says, hey, Elisha, stay here. I have to go to Bethel. Elisha's response, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they continued on. Then Elijah says, hey, stay here. I have to go to Jericho. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will never leave you. So they went to Jericho together. And finally, Elijah says, Elisha, I've got to go to the Jordan River. God's sending me to the Jordan. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I am not leaving you. Three times, Elisha has the opportunity to say, okay, I'll let you go. I'm going to kind of do my own thing. I'm going to just hang out here. But three times he says, no, I'm following you. And you see, as he's committed to follow, there are times of persecution. Because you see, it says in some manuscripts, it says the sons of the prophets, they come up to Elisha twice, at least twice that's recorded. And they say, hey, you know your masters are going to be taken from you, right? Today, the Lord's taken your master from you. And Elisha says, yeah, I know. And then I think this is one of the most biblical, sweetest phrases in all of the Bible, be quiet, right? When we're walking through life, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's whatever it is, that's the biggest thing right now on all of our radars, right? Whether it's politics, whatever, it's all the garbage in the world, as those voices of doubt and frustration enter into our lives, it's absolutely biblical to put your foot down and say, be quiet, Because what I'm convinced is that as the Spirit begins to stir our hearts, as the Spirit begins to stir this church, Satan will begin to ramp up those voices. Hey, you know, you know that this is going to happen. You know that this could happen. You know that what's happening in Afghanistan right now? What voices are they challenging? Right? Huddled in rooms, fearing for their life, fearing for their children. And instead, they can say, be quiet. I'm following my master. Be quiet. I'm following God. 
to be separated from this world is to be one with the Lord. And they live in that. They truly understand what it means to be committed and what it means to persevere. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, this life is not just about saying, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. And then when it gets challenging, God, where are you? God has called us to persevere in our faith. To lead well, we must practice perseverance. To lead well, we must commit to follow. And finally, reading in 2 Kings 2, 13 through 15, we pick up here and we see Elisha all by himself. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. And the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Can I just remind us that everywhere we go, we are being watched. Everything you post, every conversation you participate in, everything you do is being watched. Elisha is standing there. He's just lost his mentor, someone that was close enough to be considered his father. And he turns towards the Jordan after his mourning, after his tearing of the clothes, and the 50 sons of the prophets are still watching. All right, you can imagine after seeing a, a whirlwind of fire and chariots and horses, you can imagine he's not thinking of those 50 people up there. Those people aren't on his radar. He turns around and his focus is on the Lord. To lead well, we must depend on the Spirit of God. Elisha picks up that cloak, that same cloak that was draped over his shoulders, inviting him to have this relationship with Elijah. He picks up that cloak, the same cloak that just moments earlier was used to divide the river so they could walk across on dry land. He picks up that cloak and he strikes the water and he calls on the name of the Lord. And in that moment, those 50 sons of the prophets knew that Elisha had the spirit that Elijah had. We're not talking about the spirit of Elijah like this, this man was able to cast his spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit now rests on Elisha. And these men, these 50 men, knew it. They come down out of the mountains and they bow down to worship him. To lead well, we must depend on the spirit. You see, today, so many times we, we neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. We overlook the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I began to kind of make a list uh, of, of what the Holy Spirit does in New Testament times, Old Testament times, that sort of thing. And in today's time, the Holy, Convert, 
the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and opens our hearts to the truth of the gospel. The Holy Spirit gives us a new nature. The Holy Spirit guarantees our adoption. The Holy Spirit speaks through God's word. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live and lead boldly. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in us, and the Holy Spirit unites us in death with the Father. This morning, we're talking about leading well. And we cannot lead well until we have fully committed to follow Jesus Christ as our Savior. We cannot lead well unless we, until we are practicing perseverance and we're maturing in our faith. As the song said, in, in, in the battle, that's where you are. In the fire, that's where he is. That's where we're sharpened. That's where we're refined. That's where we draw nearer to the Lord and become more dependent on him. So I want to challenge you this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know uh, where you find yourself, but I do pray and I hope that the Spirit is moving in your heart, that the Spirit is stirring in your spirit. Because so many times in my life, I find myself standing there saying, God, I need a word from you. And I feel like sometimes God's just saying, then just listen. Then just respond. Pay attention to the Spirit that indwells you. Right? Christ said, hey, I'm going to leave and there's going to be a helper that I'm going to send that's greater than me. He indwells every one of us that follow Christ, that believes in Christ. We are not helpless. We are not powerless. We are indwelt with the same spirit that Elisha was asking Elijah for. So this morning as we strive to lead, I want to challenge you to commit your life to Christ. I want to challenge you to persevere in your faith. And I want to challenge you to learn to be fully dependent on the Spirit of God. Whatever the decision is this morning that you have to make, this morning, this time is a time of decision. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you don't know that there's a God that loves you so passionately that he sent his only son to clear the way, to die on the cross for you, to forgive your sins so that you could walk with your creator father. Maybe you haven't made that commitment yet. This morning is the day. Maybe you're at the edge of your rope and you're just like, you know what, I cannot, I can't persevere anymore. I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm so overwhelmed. God has given us not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but God has given us the bride of Christ to lean on. Maybe this morning you need to just confess that. Or maybe this morning you have to be honest and say, you know what? I've run my own life in my own power. And I keep falling flat. I'm not dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit at all. This morning is a time to draw closer and draw nearer to him. These altar steps are always open. They're symbolic. This is symbolic of coming to the throne of God and laying down your request. But you can do that just as well in your seats. However you do it, whether you come to the altar or whether you make a decision in your seats, I want to encourage you this morning to make a decision. Don't continue to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the power of the Holy Spirit. But lean into him. Take the risk. Step out of your comfort zone. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for, first and foremost, Lord, for calling us, for extending the invitation, for saying, I love you. 
Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of sin, and that you would open the doors of the gospel and open our eyes to the glory of the gospel and give us the courage to follow you and to commit to following you. Lord, as we fumble through the difficulties of life, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage and the commitment to persevere as we seek your face. Lord, there will be distractions all along the way. But Lord, I pray that we would have the wisdom to say, be quiet, I'm following my master. And through it all, Lord, I pray that we would listen and lean into and be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But I pray this morning, Lord, that these would not be my words, but these are your words. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in the hearts and the minds of those here. I pray that you would draw us close to you and awaken our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.